the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We are in Galatians, and we are in chapter 5, and last week we talked about verses 16 through 18. And in these three verses and following, Paul lays out how to live the Christian life. They're very powerful verses. So this week, we're actually going to work, we're going to go from 19 to 26, but what's important is the context. So... I'm going to return to verse 16 and work my way down back into verse 26 so that the flow of thought is unbroken. Now, as we have said many times, Paul's writing to the believers and the Galatian church, and he tells them right up front, he says, look, guys, because they had been infiltrated by a, uh, by a bunch of uh, Judaizers, is what Paul referred to them as, but they're basically false teachers who look to enslave the Gentiles in law and in various beliefs and principles that they had put together. And really what they were out to do was they were out to bring the Gentiles underneath them. I suspect they were looking to start a venue of support, but one of the main things they were after was discrediting Paul. Because if they could discredit Paul in the churches of Galatia, they could discredit Paul in many others. And these guys practically followed Paul wherever he went. So Paul is, again, standing before the Galatian church, in effect, with his writings, and he's saying, look, guys, of course, they don't know much about Jewish law, but he says to them, you were not called to the bondage of the law, you were called to freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ. And now he's going to explain to them the context of that freedom. Now, I don't believe that any of you here today are seeking to gain righteousness by adherence to the Mosaic law. And if you are, then you really need to listen close because Christ has set you free. Many of us do seek to live to a standard, and that standard has been constructed by ourselves and others and what we believe about what God expects of us. This standard or Christian image is a standard that we use to judge ourselves and others. It is law for us. And it's even more debilitating than Mosaic law because we have tailor-made it to condemn all that we see as weakness in ourselves, things that we'll never really be able to resolve. 
If we look at the book of Galatia and restrict what Paul's talking about to the struggle between following the law and living by faith, then we will quickly dismiss its relevance because all of us here, when we hear the word law, we think of the Ten Commandments or the Mosaic Law. The Spirit of God here is using the pen of Paul to articulate the true struggle. The struggle that has been going on since salvation through Christ came to those who would believe. It is the struggle between flesh and spirit. That's the true struggle. It is that question, do we live by the flesh or sight? Or do we live by the spirit or by faith? Well, we know legalism is not faith. Seeking to conform the flesh by the determination of the soul is not faith. It is walking according to the flesh. Faith is reckoning on the righteousness of Christ. Faith is walking according to the Spirit. Now you have the same choices. Every one of us has the same choices that the Galatians have. And the more you seek to live to your version of the Christian image, the less faith you will employ in your living the less you will walk according to the Spirit. The more you define your Christian liberty by your freedom in the flesh, the more you will walk according to the flesh. Now, you're going to hear me use a lot of phrases that I used last week, but don't go to sleep because I do have some new stuff, okay? New material in the works. The law is a yoke for the flesh. Now, you've heard me say that many times. The law is a yoke for the flesh. It was never intended for the child of God. It was never intended for the believer. It was intended to confine and restrict the unbeliever or the child of this world, the children of Adam, or if you prefer, because the the Jews were underneath it, the children of Abraham. It was. It was written to reveal transgression, but before there can be transgression, what did there have to be? A law. And the law turned sin, just this generic thing that people do and feel guilty about, into a literal act that was transgression against God. The law changed the parameters. The law is a yoke for the flesh, but guess what? We don't need a yoke for the flesh because we are no longer identified by the flesh. We are no longer under the law because we are no longer of the flesh. We are new creations. We are spiritual beings, eternal creations with eternal life. We should no longer count ourselves as a temporal body. The body, as I said last week, is just clothing for the spirit. And one day we'll return to dust. We are empowered from the inside out. We were not created for the works of the flesh. We bear the fruit of the Spirit. Now let's look at uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. That's present tense. It's continuous. Don't stop walking in the Spirit, moment by moment. It is living by faith the way a Christian is to live while in this body. It is not based on in externals. It is not God helping you externally. It is the work of the Spirit manifested through you. That's what walking is. You began this walk at salvation. Sin is not about what you know, it's about how you walk. 
Walking in the Spirit is the exercise of liberty that never forsakes the truth or violates the will of God. It is the practice of sweet communion with God. Walk also indicates a progression, day by day, step by step. We watch His life unfold in our experiences. We grow in the revelation of Him. It is a forward movement. We read last week where Paul asked the Galatians in verse 7 of the same chapter. He says, who stepped in front of you? Who got in your way? Who distracted you? What is your distraction? That's the question. I made this statement last week and I think it bears repeating. Aligning yourself to the Christian image or the law will do nothing to stop the corruption of the soul. That's your mind, will, and emotion. If you're walking according to the flesh, you are filling your soul with the ongoing corruption of this world. That's, you name it, internet, television, just interaction with the people of this world, even fellow believers who, who are in and out of the flesh. You will allow that corruption to begin to build in your soul, and it builds a context for you. You begin to define your life according to all that you've gathered. People who listen to the news all the time are fearful, right? And you begin to live out of the context of the garbage that you collect in the soul. And I will tell you that walking according to the flesh just invites it all in for you to embrace. There's only one place of balance. There's only one cure for that corruption. That is in Ephesians 5. It says, be ye Filled with the Spirit of God. It's not talking about an anointing that comes upon you externally. It's talking about allowing the Spirit of God, your one spirit with this Spirit, to move from you, who you are at the center, the spiritual you, into the soul, the mind, will, and emotion, and bring everything under the context of Christ as life. And that's what cleanses the soul. That's what brings balance. You find yourself going through the week and you don't spend any time focusing upon Him. You don't spend any time hearing His Word. You don't worship Him. You don't recognize His presence. You feel alienated from Him because you've walked according to the flesh all week. And you got this huge mound of stinking garbage at the center of your soul. And you can't figure out why you're so depressed. Why everything seems so heavy. Why every little thing seems just like one more thing. You weren't designed to live that way. You're a new creation, guys. Let the Spirit of God flow and empower you. Walk above the water, on top of the water, and allow yourself the victory that Christ has already won for you. All right. So, we are kept by His life. Verse 17, for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Now the Greek word for desire that is used there indicates a passionate, intense desire. The word that they have translated oppose or against speaks of an agenda or a determined plot. This is war. That's basically what we're saying. What's the battle about? 
What is it about? Various temptations and subtle sins? No! Understand this clearly. The battle is for the overall agenda of the flesh or the agenda of the spirit. Who are you going to follow? How are you going to walk? That's where the battle is. All the enemy has to do is move you into walking according to the flesh. And hear me. Sin is the fruit that the flesh will bear. So it's not a matter of trying to get you to sin. It's a matter of getting you into the identity of your flesh because there all temptation is available to you and open to you. So... The enemy is constantly working against you. The enemy only needs to move you into the flesh. The word for flesh is sarks, and it refers to living according to the soul patterns of independent living and yielding to the manipulation of the world and the enemy and living to the power of sin that resides where? In the body. Paul makes it very clear it's still there. Okay? It is living in the indulgence of the flesh. The enemy wants you to stop living by faith and believe that the flesh is you. The struggle will never end between truth of who you are and the lie that you are flesh. That will never stop as long as you're in this body. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. What did I just say? That's the truth of it. If you are living to the law, you're wearing a yoke that belongs on a lost man. It doesn't fit you. It doesn't suit you. You weren't designed to live that way. That means, if you're led by the Spirit, it means to be continually led. It's not a, an occasional, Lord, I need your wisdom on this. It is a yieldedness to the presence and power and wisdom of God. Do you know you have the mind of Christ? He tells you you do. You know what that means? Do you know what? It's not some ethereal weird thing. It really means that as his child, he has given you his disposition on these things. And when you walk according to the Spirit, you will walk in the wisdom of God. Now, there's a difference between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man. The wisdom of God can only be participated in by his children. If you don't believe me, watch the political landscape. There's no wisdom there. The wisdom of God is only privy to those who are his children. That's the only place you'll find it. So you have the wisdom of God. And you have the mind of Christ. You have all the direction that you need to walk in truth. It's just whether or not you're going to hear it. Whether or not you're going to listen for it. All believers are led by the Spirit. And as I said last week, the Spirit doesn't leave or depart just because you refuse to listen to His leading. He doesn't take His ball and go home. You are in union with Him. And he is going to constantly be pulling you towards the center. Now, you will never understand. You will never, ever leave the plan of God. He's God. And you're just a sheep. 
So you won't leave the plan of God, but you won't appreciate the plan of God. You won't see the blessing of the plan of God. You won't enter into the abundance of the plan of God, the richness of the plan of God, and the greatest reward of walking in the plan of God, the revelation of Christ. But you won't leave it. All believers are led by the Spirit. Romans 8.14 says, For all who are being led by the Spirit, these are sons of God. So what is your qualification for being led by the Spirit? Well, you have to make sure that you do your confession and your repentance. You have to make sure that, you know, you're prayed up and that you're attending church. You have to make sure that you're in the of God. You have to make sure that you're doing everything that a good Christian ought to do. And then he might deign to give you a little insight. No. All you have to do is yield to the truth that you are his child. He is your life. And walk in obedience to the inclinations that he puts in you. Because he's leading you. He says right here he's leading you. It doesn't say he might lead you. Occasionally lead you, throw something in like a fortune cookie here and there. No, this is a constant interaction. Now, knowing that, the enemy will always want to draw you into living according to the flesh. He will always seek to pull you into thinking of yourself that way. He will always desire to distract you from the leading of God. And here's the thing about it. We end up putting on chains when we follow the enemy's lead. Because he won't lead you any other way. Do you know that the child of God only wears the chains that he puts on himself? That's it. The enemy does not have permission to come up and, and put chains on you. You have to pick them up and put them on yourself. Let's talk about strongholds. Where are strongholds built? They're built on the enemy's ground. So the enemy builds a stronghold, which is a fortress, on the ground that God has already won. And he builds that stronghold in order to have a way to pull you into living according to the flesh. Because that stronghold is only built when you walk according to the flesh. It only has relevance when you yield to, to the flesh. See, most of our trouble with the enemy is really our trouble with the flesh. We've invited it. Slavery to the flesh is a matter of choice for the child of God. We choose it when we choose to live according to the flesh. Now let's look at Romans 6.16. This is important because we like to play the victim. It's part of that the devil made me do it kind of thing. But it says in Romans 6.16, Do you not know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness. Who's choosing? You are. Now, the following verses that we're going to look at that Paul wrote, Paul's going to make plain the differences between a life that's lived according to the flesh and a life that is lived by the Spirit. So we're going to look at verses 19 through 21. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident. 
which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't know how many brothers in Christ I read, and they want to go through and they want to define each one of those things. Listen, I don't want you spending all your time focusing on sin. Let's put our focus on Jesus. Let's talk about what he has won for us in terms of his life and his presence and his spirit within us. Now he's saying that this right here, this list, is fruit of the flesh, the works of the flesh. You may have noticed that I switched to the NASB. And for these verses, it's because I believe their treatment of that Greek word sarks is much more accurate than what we have in the Amplified. Now, going back to the beginning, before you were saved, you received Christ as life. You walked according to the flesh. Your flesh has not changed since you became a Christian. Do you realize that? Your flesh has not changed since you became a Christian. You may find that shocking, but flesh was not born again. If you don't believe me, look in the mirror. Okay? It is as corrupt and as wicked as it ever was, maybe even more so. Paul writes that the practices of the flesh are, that's present tense, are these things. Now at the new birth, your identity was moved from the flesh to the new creation. The new creation being who is in union with the Spirit of Christ. That was your deliverance from every sin and wickedness. The old you that lived with the flesh as, an, as its identity, the old you who was out of the lineage of Adam, the man of the flesh, the you that was born dead to God, bearing the curse of sin and alienation from its creator, was put to death. But you are still wearing the old man's clothes. Okay? Now, flesh is more, as I said before, it's more than a physical body. It contains what Paul refers to as the sin principle or the power of sin that once ruled and is now subjected to the spirit. But when you choose to walk according to the flesh, you submit yourself to the same wicked principle that once ruled in your body. Do you understand that? We're going, to, we're going to make it real plain because this is a critical, critical understanding. This is something that I believe the modern church has dismissed. Look with me at Romans 6, verses 5 and 6. And I really want you to understand this. I think this is critical to understanding why carnality is so devastating. Why self-indulgence is a wasting disease in the church today. Romans chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing, verse 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin 
might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Now, verse 5 tells us with clarity that we are not what we once were. We are unchangeably one with him. The old self that was a slave to sin was nailed to the cross with him, never to return. Now, I want you to pay real close attention to what Paul writes about the body of sin in verse 6. Okay? It says, Our old self was crucified with Christ in order that our body of sin might be done away with. Now, look at that little phrase, done away with. The words done away with, you might want to make a little note of this. The words done away with is the Greek word kartageo, kartageo. And it does not mean destroyed. It does not mean destroyed. That's an unfortunate, I think it's the King James has an unfortunate translation of that. It does not mean destroyed. It means to render idle. It's kind of like putting in the clutch or disengaging the gears. It means to make idle or to cease to employ. It's not a reference to the old nature, but to the power of sin and the body. It was disengaged, but this is a critical point. It was not removed. It doesn't mean that we no longer will be tempted, but that we are no longer slaves to the appetites of the flesh. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.